Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. West Cork Beard Company make beard oil and beard balm for a strong, healthy, great looking beard handmade from all natural ingredients in Clonakilty, West Cork check out their YouTube channel for beard care tips and advice or catch them online at westcorkbeardcompany.ie Good evening and welcome to another episode of the same old Arsenal Team Talk. Uh, hello to everybody in the chat room and good evening to you. I hope you are looking forward to the weekend's game. We're going to get down to business and I have some fantastic guests with me. I'm your host tonight, as always, Dan Potts, and I'm joined once again by the wonderful Manny. Manny, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good, mate. I'm doing good, man. It's Friday night and I'm enjoying myself, bro. How are you? I'm very well, man. You've uh, you've been enjoying yourself on the spice rum and chilling out. Is that right, mate? Yes, sir, man. Spice rum and ginger beer all the way, man. Oh, man. That's absolute <laughs> brilliant. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for joining us again, Manny. Thanks for joining us. Popular Thank demand, you for man. Me, man. Popular demand. Is it really? Oh, it I'm is, honored, man. man. I'm honoured. Thank you. <laughs> it is indeed. Also joining us, uh, newbie tonight, and not new to the same old Arsenal, it is Trev. Trev, how you doing, mate? Hello, Ben. <laughs> Hello, boys. <laughs> How are you all doing? I'm doing really well. Look, I've not spoken to Manny for ages, and, and and me and Manny have never really met, but I just love him. He's a mate already, you know, so I thought I'd start off by doing my Manny impression. <laughs> Hello, Manny. How you doing? And, and now I'll just come on. <laughs> Good, evening. Good evening, everybody. Oh, love I'm you, Excited sir. to be on. Thanks for having me, Dan. Thanks for inviting me, boys. Love you, Manny. Love you, man. Uh, Trev, we love you too, man, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. And joining us, as always, Mr. Tactician himself, it's Mr. Graham Brooks, yet again. <laughs> Graham, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, mate. I'm enjoying this every Friday night now. I'm getting into it. How about you? 
I thought last week's show was really good, even if I say it myself. You know, I thought I watched it back and I thought we've got high levels to maintain this week, mate, because I, I thought that was really excellent last week. Uh, and I think Grizz was excellent as well. Um, and I can't do a Manny impression, I'm afraid. I'm not going to eat any food uh, on the show like uh, Mark, but I've got my glass of Coke. So I'm looking forward to tonight, mate. And uh, let's hope we have a good one tonight, looking at the good result last night in particular, the, the previous Liverpool game, and, and also the Sheffield United preview for Sunday. So I'm looking forward to it tonight, mate. Yes. Likewise, I'm looking forward to it. And boys, it's an absolute pleasure for you all to join us. So I'm going to start kicking it off with our main kind of start or topic or theme, as we call it. We've done it at the start of every podcast so far, and I'm going to go straight into this man. Now, I was not impressed with this guy's performance against Liverpool on the Monday evening, and I've been very disappointed with him since he's come back from injury. And a lot of people have said that's pretty harsh for me to say that because it was a horrendous injury. But as far as I'm concerned, his performances have been baffling. I saw him in the second half against Fulham, and I thought he was outstanding in parts of that game. I thought he was pretty average against West Ham, but good in parts. But against Liverpool on the Monday night, I thought he was by far our weakest link. Manny, I'm going to come to you on this one, bro. Talk to me about Bellerin. When I was younger, Manny, I took a foul throw. Okay, <laughs> I took a foul throw on a Sunday Sunday league game and I got beats for it. I got beats for it and it never happened again. Now, for a professional footballer to take a foul throw, I think is pretty unforgivable. But to take two foul throws in with the same game, for me, is criminal. Manny, talk to me, bro. Man, you wouldn't even see that you know, at my nephew's on the 15 game. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's once is a mistake. You can understand that, you know, not planting your feet and then things like that. But twice, it just shows me that, you know, he didn't heed, you know, the warning or he didn't learn the lesson. Here's the thing about Hector Bellerin. I haven't been a fan of Bellerin since he came out and he said, you know, Sanchez wanted to win too much. For me, that bothers me because football is about winning. Football is about, you know, how many medals you've got in the cabinet and not, you know, being nice. So that really turned me off, Hector. But think about the season when he broke through, right? That was his most consistent season. When you think about Bellerin, you think about him after that season being good in patches. He hasn't been consistent enough to warrant a start in this side. My problem is that, you know, people focus on, you know, his injury and that is the reason he's working his way back. Bellerin has been poor years before that. And he's still not showing signs of improvement. I understand he's had the injury, but these inconsistent performances have happened long before the injury. I think it's time for us to move on. Hector Bellerin is not like, you know, your modern day fullback. When you think of fullbacks right now, you're thinking of Andy Robertson. You're thinking about Trent Alexander-Arnold. You're thinking about Kyle Walker. You're thinking athletic, footballers you can get up and down the pitch go around their you know their opposition and whip crosses in that's not bellerin i don't know what has happened to the man and i don't think he will get his form back i'm sorry you know i know that sounds terrible but i think it's time to move on from the hector bellerin experience uh trev harsh words in some would say from manny but in my opinion i think the lad's spot on uh what do you make of hector bellerin it's hard to put your finger on it at the moment trev isn't it Well, yeah, it's Dan. The, the biggest, the biggest words that uh, managers there is inconsistency. He, he is inconsistent, 
and, and it's it's extreme inconsistency. He's either been, in my view, pretty good, but not good often enough. You know, the other times he's been very poor. And and I'm not going to say, use the words you said about the foul throws, Dan, but it, it was a bit it was a bit embarrassing, really, for, for want of a better phrase, to see a professional player take two foul throws in a game in this day and age. It was very embarrassing. But yeah, I, I you know, I, you know, a lot of people watching this one don't know me very well, but but you do, Dan, and, and Manny does, and, and you boys know I'm not, I didn't, I never come down too heavy on a player, but I do wonder if if a change would of club would be best for both Hector and the Arsenal mate, to be honest. And uh, I think probably at, at the moment, I, at the moment, I'd probably rather see Cedric playing there if, if I'm honest. Yes, yeah, so maybe a move on to be best for everybody, mate. Fair play. Graham, I'll come to you last because Bellerin was tempted to go to a move, we believe, or rumoured to go to a move to PSG, but we've rejected it because they weren't willing to pay more than £25 million. Personally, I would have Maitland-Niles as our right-back moving forward. I think he's got all the attributes to be a, a modern-day full-back, and I think he has the ability to improve at only being 22 years old. What's your What's your say on Bellerin, Graham? What's going wrong? Um, well, obviously, there's no excuse for two foul throws. Um, that's the first thing I'll say, Dan. Uh, but I'm going to disagree with you, mate. Uh, me and you agree on most things, Arsenal. Uh, and I'm <laughs> going to disagree with Manny. And it wouldn't be a podcast unless you had an alternative point of view, would it? So I am going to stick up for Hector Bellerin tonight. Um, uh, look, I think we get obsessed with Hector Bellerin for what he does off the pitch. And that affects the way we think of him on the pitch. I think, you know, all these things about trees uh, and about fashion. Uh, I think sometimes... We see that and we see him in a different light. Um, and I think Manny touched on it earlier about the injuries, but I don't think we can disregard the injuries. I, I, you know, I don't think his performances have been at a level he was in 2016 when he was in the form of his life. And he actually made the Premier League team of the year that year then. That's how good he was then, right? Um, but I don't think we can simply disregard the fact that he has suffered a nasty ACL rupture in 2018 playing against Chelsea. And then when he returned to the team, he also had a hamstring tear as well. So he's like, picked up two major injuries immediately um, in very quick succession, mate. Uh, and, and I think the club made a mistake of bringing him back too quickly. There's a difference between being ready to, to be fit, you know, to, to be able to come back and being fit and at the level. So I think he has to be judged in the uh, context of this, of coming back from those injuries, in my opinion. Um, he's fit enough to play, but the long-term physical and psychological damage I think he suffered through these two injuries cannot be forgotten. Um, and I think it's going to take him a while to get back to his best. Um, two years ago, he could barely walk. We have to remember that when he had that first injury, that ACO injury. So he's not going to get back to the pace that he had straight away, um, in my opinion. And also, you've got to remember, when he's going into tackles, uh, I think that psychologically, he's had those injuries. So he's sort of like got that in his mind as well. So he must worry about the pain going into those tackles, I think. Um, um, but to give up on him in the way that you boys have suggested tonight and move him on, I think is foolish. We've seen in the past how we've moved players on too early and they come to back to bite us in the arse. You know, you only have to look at someone like Serge Gnabry. People were saying, oh, Serge Gnabry is never going to make it at Arsenal. Look at him now at Bayern Munich. So, and Hector Bellerin, Dan, he's only 25 years old. We have to remember that he's only 25 years old uh, he came into the side uh, and he, he showed such maturity. It was even being talked about as a future Arsenal captain. Um, 
So I think we have to look at the positives with him at the moment. Um, he doesn't stick to the zone when he's attacking. He carries the ball really well. He had 10 progressive carries in one game recently, which I highlighted in one of our tactical breakdowns. And he gets the ball into the final third, right? He, I think one of the reasons why he's not as good as what he was also is he no longer has Giroud. Uh, Giroud was like a target, so he could sort of like play to that target. And now he's, I think when he carries the ball into the final third, he's not looking to hit the crosses now. He's looking, I think, to sort of like um, play a key pass or keep the possession going. But he's looking to get the ball up the pitch. I think he's integral to the way we're playing at the moment. I don't think Cedric Suarez is at the same level. Maitland-Niles is not such a good defender as him. Uh, people might question his defending, and he did switch off a little bit for one of the Liverpool goals in the week. I, I accept that. Um, but, you know, don't give up on this boy too easily. I think he's definitely good enough, and I think he just needs a bit of time. Uh, so I, I would say we need to be patient with him. We have to accept the positive what he offers to the team and give him time to get back to those levels. And I think we need to judge him after he has a full season under his belt then. That's my view on it. Okay, I'm going to come straight back to Manny on that point because for me, I actually believe that Maitland-Niles is a better one-on-one -on -one defender than Bellerin uh, in terms of his tackles. However, Manny... What do you think, man? No, I think I'm going to push back on, on Graham a little bit, you know, because the, the talk that we need to give him time, he's had years. Bellerin has had years and he's had ample opportunity. When I think about, you know, the right backs that we've had in the past, you know, we've been lucky in that position. When I think about, you know, Bakri Sanyo, when I think about Lauren, you know, when I think about Lee Dixon, these are footballers who had a high football IQ. They knew when to go forward. They knew when to go back. They knew when to hold. They knew how to defend. Hector Bellerin is not good at his number one thing that he is supposed to do, and that is defend. That's worrying. And when it comes to Maitland-Niles, Maitland-Niles is the better defender. 1v1, you can look at performances of Maitland-Niles and you can go, yep, lockdown Martial, you know, Adama Traore. He's done it to, to you know, Riyad Mahrez. The, the list is endless. I cannot remember a performance from Hector Bellerin when the opposition's winger has not had a good game. It's easy to get at Bellerin. It's easy to move him off the ball physically. And it's easy to get past him because his football IQ is not where it's meant to be to play at Arsenal Football Club. I believe he's had his opportunity. He's had so many years. And it's time for him to move on. Maybe it's best for him to move on and, and, you know, have a different environment and grow somewhere else. But at Arsenal, I'm sorry, he hasn't cut it. And it's been years of that. So, you know, giving him time, that time has passed. That's, that's what I believe anyway. I think for sentimental reasons, perhaps you're right, uh, Graham. It would be sad to see him go just for the pure fact that he's been at the club for eight years now. He looks like he loves the club, likes London, seems settled talking about captaincy, but I do sway with Manny in the fact that I feel that Maitland-Niles is a better option. Cedric was always brought in as cover anyway. Uh, anything you want to add on that before we move on from Bellerin, Graham? Um, no, I, I, look, I, I think we judge our defenders really harshly, and I think sometimes you have to look uh, um what Manny was saying about his had years, but I, what you've got to remember is, is that... Um, the way we set up in the past has left us very open, right? When he played in a four at the back, uh, we had our midfielders high up the pitch, 
teams were trans- transitioning in through us and getting that off. You know, he was wasn't getting the cover on one side. That um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the right-sided players that he had and our central midfielders up the pitch that left him exposed sometimes in those areas where uh, Manny might say he was poor defensively. I get the thing about Maitland Niles being more athletic and that. I just don't think Maitland Niles is a defender uh, who can play a, as a right back. Now, I understand in this, we're talking about what Arteta is going to be doing. We talked about him looking to move to this 4 3 3. If we're going to stay 3 4 3, there's an argument that Maitland Niles is probably a better wing back uh, on that side if you're going to play that formation. But if you're going to revert to a back four, uh, I just don't see Maitland Niles as a right fullback. I'm sorry. That's just my view. For all his athleticism, for all his qualities, I think he's more of a wing back stroke. Uh, player and tuck into midfield. I don't seem as a right fullback. Better in that is his position is right fullback. So if you're going to be looking to sort of like say who's going to be challenging him, Suarez is the natural right back who could be challenging him. I don't think he's at the level, uh, and he's older. So, but unless we're going to go out and buy and identify a new right back. I think Bellerin is the best that we got at the club at the moment. That's just my opinion. I disagree with you and Manny. And, and I think you have to say that our defenders are judged harshly for the way that we've been cut open in the past. So we're not talking about his, uh, we're talking about his performances that you're talking about over in the last few years. It's only really since Arteta's only been at the club for a few months and he's sort of like got us more structured. I don't see, can you tell me the last time Bellerin was ripped by a, a, a winger um, under Arteta? Because I can't remember it. Um, I know he's not uh, perfect defensively. He can be shaky at times. But I just think that he's the best option we've got at the club at the moment. And he's only 25. And I think Arteta has got... You'd have to give Arteta the chance to work with him. Arteta has got a great habit of improving players. And and I I just think that uh, he'll be working with Bellerin, trying to get him back to the level he was. If he doesn't reach that level soon, I get the thing. We we haven't got time. Um, I think we just need to give him a little bit of time. Uh, under Arteta, but obviously, if it do, if if he's not if he suffers an injury again, or he's not at the level quickly this season, I would tend to agree with you. But you have got to remember, this guy's only 25. He's coming back from two major injuries, uh, and I think um, so. When you say he hasn't been good for years, I would argue that when he first came into the team, we saw a potential Arsenal captain. He was at uh, a good level in 2016, 2018. We got injured against Chelsea. He had the most assists. Uh, for the club when he got injured, uh, I, I believe. It was certainly a high level of assists uh, when he got injured in that Chelsea game when we won 2 nothing. So he was playing well at that time and then he suffered that injury. So it's, this is not something that's been there for years, in my opinion. It's something that um, I think that we're judging him on uh, uh, post-injury. Uh, and, and look, I want him to get back to the levels he had when he first came into the team, Dan. I hope he can get there. But I think to write a player off so young so quickly... We've seen it in the past. It can come back to bite in the arse. I think he's the best at the club at the moment. If we find someone better than him, identify someone, fine. But at the moment, he's not at the club, is he? So that's why I would, uh, I think Bellerin is our number one right back. Okay. Trev, just coming in lastly. Yeah, just listening there to the lads, there's, there's there's two definite differences there, different ways of looking at Bellerin. I mean, Manny mentioned it as he got his as he got the football in IQ, and then Graham is saying we we need to give him the chance after his long injury, and and you can see both arguments. But what I would say is that, that, that if if Bellerin needs still needs time after that injury, 
he shouldn't be playing as much first team football as he is. There's other teams he could be getting his strength and his and his and his football IQ or whatever we want to call it back, you know. So I I don't know. It I, I, I loved Bellerin when he first broke into the team. I remember when he first broke in, Graham, how good he was. He, he was he was yeah. he was a star, absolute superstar. Yeah. But but he's definitely not at that level now. Now, if it's because of the injury. He should be outside the first team a little bit more often and playing a lot more for, for whatever other teams we've got. If it's his footballing yeah. IQ, then I don't know how you improve that. For me, what's not helped is is his other causes. Um, you know, he's he, and they're, they're they're very they're very good causes planting all these millions of trees. He, he's a massive thing, but should he be focusing a, a massive amount of his time on that, or should he be prancing up and down a catwalk three or four days a week wearing these clothes? When, when, if he's not fit and if he's getting over an injury, he should be at that training ground, I would say, eight or ten hours a day and doing whatever's required to but keep you, fit. So I can see yeah. both sides of the argument. I sit on a fence and... and but you know what, Trevor? I will come back and say that I think we rushed him back too quickly. I think we should have eased him back. And the fact that he was rushed back too quickly shows to me how highly he's rated and why we needed him. And I think we should have managed him better. We should not have rushed him back last year when we did. He came back in too early. He should have been managed back in the team more slowly. You could argue that he came back because Maitland-Niles wasn't, or Cedric, or I don't think we had, uh, Cedric was injured when he first came, but we, we had to rush him back. And, that, and he came back too early, in my opinion, and he should have been managed back in more slowly, in which case I think we wouldn't be having this debate if we brought him back. I don't think we've been fair to him. I think we've rushed him back too quickly. Uh, and so you're judging him on that. And um, I still think of the options we got, I disagree with you, Dan. I don't disagree very much, mate, because me and you are pretty much on side with everything, you know, with uh, Arsenal. And I respect Manny greatly. I respect everybody's point of view. But my view is, is that um, he's the best at the club at the moment. And and until you get, until Arteta thinks otherwise, I think he's going to carry on playing him in that position. I think when Bellerin did come back against Chelsea, when we had that Martinelli goal, when we went down to 10 men, he was one of our best players. And I thought, wow. He scored in he that he looked. He was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I thought to myself, "This is this is it. Just keep keep that consistency." And it never happened. So I hope that it does come back to his best. I just worry that we may not see the best of Hector Bellerin again. But we've got to move on. Uh, we're going to go on to, to review Liverpool or both Liverpool games, really. But we're going to do it fairly quickly because I want to get into Sheffield United preview for the weekend. Um, Trev, let's stick with you, bro. Um, Okay. Monday night. Wow. Monday night. Uh, Liverpool. This was a situation for me where I was not expecting to take three points. And I'm not so sure that I was excited by what I saw. However, uh, we stayed in the game, Trev. And we got to a stage where by the 89th minute, we still had a chance of getting something until that Yota goal to make it 3-1. What did you make of it, Trev? We, we did indeed stay in the game, Dan. We did indeed stay in the game, and and my view is that we still we still saw some improvements. We still saw the Arteta effect growing. You know, we 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 played a defensive side. When I saw El Nenny and and Jacker start together, I thought it we we're not going to be too um, too productive going forward here, and and that was the case. I just feel that we just played all right on on on. In seasons gone by, I wouldn't have had this fault. But after the game, I was thinking, yeah, we were second best. But with a little bit of a luck on another night, we'd have got something out of that game. 
And I've not had that feeling at Liverpool for several seasons now, you know. I don't know if you're going to touch on it, but they most definitely, I know it's, it's, it's afterthought when it's gone, but they should have definitely been down to 10 men. It was like it, was, it wasn't a, a fall or a nudge. It was a, it was a blatant clench fist in the face, you know. They should have been down to 10 men and then, and then that makes it a whole different ball game, doesn't it? Hey? I, I really think, we, you know, and, and people are calling Lacquer out for the bad finish. I think Lacquer's confidence is down a bit, but I credit the goalkeeper for that as well. You know, the goalkeeper looks a lot like Schmeichel to me. He came out, made himself big and said to Lacazette, if you're going to beat me, you're going to beat a big target. And Lacazette didn't beat him. So, yeah, I, I wasn't down at all. Of course I was down. We lost the game. But from a footballing perspective and as a fan watching on, I felt that we had a chance. As an Arsenal fan, I didn't think that we'd come off that field and we could have given it any more. I thought that what we had gave its best shot. And and yeah, I was all right with it, Dan. I was all right with it, mate, to be honest. Fair play. I was very similar. Manny, I want to bring this comment in and I want to bring you in to answer this because Matt Hudson makes a good point. Uh it's funny how there seems to be improvement, but it's the same scoreline. Now, three-one <laughs> last season, it was three-one this season, it was. What do you make of those comments, there, Manny? Um, it's a process, you know. I believe that the improvement was greater this season than it was last season. Last season, we we weren't really in the game, and we got a goal, you know, a fortunate goal after Liverpool were already three up, I believe. So for me, there was improvement. But I just believe that, you know, Liverpool have been playing this game, you know, with Klopp a lot longer than we've been playing this game with Arteta. You know, they put us into situations that, you know, forced us into unforced errors, forced us to, you know, give the ball away. You know, they pulled our, you know, our wing backs and they pulled, um, you know, Aubameyang and Willian all over the place, you know, to create space, you know, and we failed to deal with it. You know, they played a high risk and high reward, you know, sort of game, Liverpool you know, squeezing up high and leaving, you know, assignments for players, just go and squeeze that ball, you know, make them, you know, commit that error. And we did on occasions. And it just shows that there's levels to this. You know, Liverpool are far and above where we're meant to be at the minute. It was a measuring stick, this game. And we aren't far off, but there is work to do. I believe if Lacazette, you know, sticks that chance away, we're having, a, you know, a different conversation. You know, because even though we went in that game, it's testament to the side that they kept going and created that chance. You know, I just wish really it was a Bamiang at the end of it and not Lacazette, because I believe Lacazette's confidence, like Trev said, is like a yo-yo at the minute. But there's a lot of positives, you know, but the meltdown, you know, if there is going to be a meltdown, should it be happening? This is Liverpool, they're champions for a reason. And it is what it is. We move on. I think it's a fair comment, Manny. I really do. Uh, Graham, I want to give you your rundown. Something I want to go through with you on the tactics board after this, but I just want you to give your rundown in a nutshell of uh, of your thoughts of the game before going into any more detail of it overall, mate. Well, first of all, Dan, I thought Liverpool played us a massive compliment. Um, they almost like wanted to make a statement, having lost the last two games to us. Uh, <laughs> and they paid us massive respect in the after-match comments. And that's also, I'll tell you how they paid us uh, such a massive compliment. That's the best I've seen Liverpool play for a long time in that game. That high press. He's gone back almost like to the old uh, clock press, the high aggressive press that they used to play. Um, and so they did their homework on us. As Trevor said, had Marnie been sent off, it would have been different. And uh, I saw Kieran Gibbs playing for West Bromwich Albion early in the season at Everton. 
actually reach out and catch uh, Rodriguez in the face far less heavily than what Mane did to um, Tierney. And uh, Gibbs was sent off, wasn't he? So, but make no mistake, this was a, a really good performance by Liverpool and they showed why they are way ahead of us and why they're the best team in the league, mate. They really did. On the night, I was really impressed. Uh, uh, it showed that we are a work in progress and Liverpool are the finished article. Um, I think Liverpool, as I said, did their homework on us. They were pressing high. I think we needed to get in behind them because, as Manny said, they played that high line. We needed to get in behind them, but we didn't have the speed of thought or accuracy to execute our long passes. And I think we also sat really deep. We sat too deep. Uh, I think the team selection was interesting. By playing Elneny instead of Sabias, it's almost like he was saying he wanted to hang in the game and try and catch him in transition with everyone behind the ball. Um, And the fact that he played uh, Louise for experience over Gabriel. Also, I thought it might have been because Gabriel was left-footed uh, and he didn't want to play Gabriel on the left if he brought Louise in. But I thought that Gabriel had been excellent and he was proved it again on Thursday night how good he was. So I question those two selections by Arteta. I think uh, Gabriel and Tobias would have been better selections on the night. But I think we our, our tactic was to basically just hang in the game and try and catch him on transition. But they were pressing really high, as Manny said. They were creating 3v2 overloads in central midfield and they were exposing holding in Tierney in wide areas. Um, it's interesting we said on the um, breakdown show last week uh, with Grizz, he was questioned about Van Dyke, wasn't he? Questioned about Van Dyke. Is he the weak link now? Has he lost his focus? Van Dyke in that game completed 117 passes on the night, 40 <laughs> long passes, 71 more than any Arsenal player. And his passes to get Mane in, particularly on that uh, uh, left-hand, our right-hand side, was crucial and pivotal to the to the game. But I think the game was settled in three three areas. We took the lead against the runner play, but Leno has to do better with their equaliser. When Tierney gets caught by Salah, Salah brushes him off far too easily. When that shot comes in, Leno's got to do better. He's got to have a stronger wrist. He's got to almost like not just push it out he did. He's got to punch it out or, or catch it. And I think he doesn't do neither. And that gives Mane the tap in. Ironically, Mane might not have been on the pitch. Then, as Trevor said, the key thing in the second half, Lacazette, when he's through, if he takes that chance and it's 2-2, I think that would have been a different game. But I think, and that's a, a, a point I want to bring up, actually, about sort of like when we go to Anfield. You know, we played Lacazette. I know we, why we played him there. When, we, when I do my tactical spot in a minute, I'll talk about what Lacazette's role was. But I think there's almost an argument when you go to Anfield, because they're going to play so high and they want to squeeze up high, you need to have three pacey players in your, your team up front and the Bamiang down the middle. Just imagine if that chance had fallen to a Bamiang. I think he takes it. I, and, I, and I think also Lacazette, because he had basically wasted the first one, although it was offside with a tame little chip, he just sort of like blasted it really and aside because Allison's such a tall imposing figure he didn't have the confidence but I think he has to do two things there Dan he either has to take it in his stride and hit it before Allison sets himself or he takes a touch and he goes round Allison and in the end it was almost like he didn't have the confidence to finish had we had a Bamiang down the middle it might have been different we talked about uh was this an improved performance the, the guy in the chat who asked we stayed in the game for 89 minutes this time uh, and, and I thought the refereeing was against us on the night, as good as Liverpool were. Mane could have been sent off another day, but Jota clearly handled their third goal. But the difference was this time, 
Arteta found a way to stay in the game, whereas last year we were beaten out of sight far earlier. So that was my thoughts on the game, Dan. Fair play. Uh, what I want to do is just come to all three of you on this, actually, because as far as I'm concerned, there was some serious concerns in the first half uh, with, I felt, Kieran Tierney and also uh, Maitland-Niles. And the reason that was was because here we've got Keita, and I thought Nabi Keita was causing us all sorts of problems around this area of the pitch. And for me, I looked at Tierney and Maitland-Niles, and they just could not handle this guy. And the reason he was so dominant was because of this guy. Now, this guy we thought was going to be uh, sitting on Fabinho, okay? We thought he'd be dropping deep to sit on Fabinho, who we actually thought was going to be Thiago uh, Thiago, um, Alcantara, but obviously he's got COVID. So we thought he was going to be on Fabinho, which because he wasn't, every time Fabinho got the ball, he was able to pass up to Keita. Now, what Keita was then doing was causing all sorts of havoc for these two players because what they did was they had Mo Salah over here as well and they had Mane over here. And that was why the first goal was so... Uh, sorry, the equaliser was so quick because we managed to get ourselves 1-0 up for a, a mistake from Robertson and then Lacazette was able to just put the ridiculous shot in which he, he actually scuffed and went over Alisson but would take it. And then straight away, the, you can see the energy. Laka does not drop on Fabinho and then Keita is able to do this. And this this player is someone I really rated at Leipzig um, and I thought was going to be an absolutely exceptional talent for Liverpool. And it didn't quite work out from this season. But the last few games in Project Restart and the start of this season, he's been a menace and he was against us. And that was why I felt it was so dangerous. And I looked in kind of this area of the pitch and thought to myself, this is where we're getting done. Everybody was talking about the likes of... Um, of holding and Bellerin and Bellerin was going ball watching and allowing kind of holding to, to kind of be on uh, Mane on his own and Bellerin's trotting back like this, like not getting back quick enough. And that then got the ball across to him. Now let's start with you, Manny, because as far as I was concerned, that was a huge part of why Liverpool had that chance to equalize in that 10 minutes, which they had after we'd managed to, to kind of um, to kind of get that one nil goal lead ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, Maitland-Niles was pulled into a position that he didn't want to be in, which is you know chasing, you know Naby Keita in there, and it's a case of now you've isolated you know Kieran Tierney, you know because if Maitland-Niles is there, it's literally a two v two. But after chasing Keita, all of a sudden you left, you know, Salah 1v1 with Tini and we see what happened there. Tini was, you know, too weak in that challenge, I believe. You know, and I'm a massive, massive Tini fan, but in that play, he was, you know, completely outdone by Salah. Hopefully Tini will learn from that. But it was a case of us, you know, just being pulled apart by Liverpool and then, you know, sticking to the game plan. Them, you know, getting the ball from Alisson and, and cutting out the passing lanes, meaning that Van Dijk is able to, be free in order to make those passes and in order to pick out, you know, Salah and Mane and, you know, room for the fullbacks to go forward. And it's not just Maitland-Niles in this play and Tierney. But if you look on the other side as well, Willian does not track Robertson at all. So Mane has come infield, giving Bellerin a problem. Does he follow Mane? Or does he go out to Robertson and leave Mane on his own? Either way, there's a 2v1 there 
and one player is going to be free because Willian hasn't done his job. So really, it was a poor goal to concede, but I believe we will learn from that. You know, I believe Liverpool, like I said, they played a high-risk and high-reward game, and they got exactly what they wanted from us. Fair play, and and I think it was clear to see that they fullbacks were the two best players on the pitch, in my opinion. Salah Romane were class, but Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, apart from the goal that Robertson conceded, that's the best I've seen Trent Alexander-Arnold. But Trev, let's Graham, talk about I... our... Go on, Graham. No, go on, Sorry. Graham. Go no, on, before we go to Trev, can I just come in off of my view on that, uh, before yeah. we talk to Trev? I think Liverpool did their homework on us, right? Uh, and um, what it looked like to me was, in the game, uh, we started off trying to... When they had possession and they were trying to build up, we were trying to press high, right? So what we were content to do was, uh, I think, we were content to let their centre-backs have the ball. So, like, Aubameyang was pushing on to um, uh, Trent and, and William was trying to cut off the passing lanes to Robertson when the centre-backs got the ball. Then Lacquer would drop in on Fabinho. So that I think that was what we tried to do, to stop them building up, getting the balls out to the fullbacks. But what they did differently, and I think uh, Grizz said, in the last game, we allowed the centre midfielders to have the ball. This time, uh, what they did cleverly this time was, uh, as Fabinho was being uh, uh, trapped by Laka, one of the centre mids, they, they created 3v2s all the time. So what they did was a, a centre mid would come back deep alongside Fabinho. So Laka had like to cover two players, right? That meant, in effect, that sort of like now... William and Abamyang had to think about their position. So they were sort of like coming inside. As they were coming inside, our wing-backs, that's Maitland-Niles on one side and Bellingham on the other, were pushing up onto their wing-backs because William and Abamyang had moved slightly inside to try and cover that ball coming to the midfielders. So when that play uh, emerged on that side, Maitland-Niles was, had pushed up the, the pitch, which left Tierney isolated one-on-one. So when you talked about Keita getting in, he was getting in. They had three in midfield, two of them dropping deep sometimes. Our centre mids were sometimes pushing up, sometimes stopping deep, dropping deep. But Maitland-Niles was kept getting pulled out of position. He did not know whether to move up to, to sort of like move on to their fullback, uh, to, because obviously we saw him as a danger man, or whether to stay back and offer protection to Tierney. And what Liverpool had also was they had... Uh, somebody in Van Dyke who basically was pinging these balls with tremendous accuracy out into these wide areas to get them into these situations where they were one-on-one. And I think it was a case of Keita was getting forward because he was a spare man. He was getting forward to support the attack, whereas Fabinho, uh, the other midfielder, uh, was sort of like supporting the build-up and that disrupted the way we were pressing from the front. So that's how I saw it. Um, They were able to sort of like get those overloads in wide areas and also isolate their two best players one-on-one putting Tierney and holding out into wide areas and I think the problem for Maitland-Niles was he didn't know whether to stick or twist whether because Aubameyang had moved in to try and cut off the passing lane when Lacquer was up against two in the centre so he was having to think about his position Dan that meant Maitland-Niles had to think do I put now pull on to um um Trent Alexander-Arnold or do I stick back and 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 that in that play Keita got forward, but it was it was it was all about Salah sort of like being one on one with Tierney and then just shrugging him off easily. That's what I think was happening, mate. I think that's how they did it. Liverpool done their homework on us and worked out how to sort of uh, when they were in possession how to beat our press, and we couldn't cope with it. 
We couldn't cope with it at all. It was uh, it was devastating in parts of the game, to be honest with you. Uh, Trev, just coming to you on that one, Willian and Aubameyang, they were pretty much invisible in that game. Graham makes some great points there as to why they wasn't quite working out for them. Uh, what did you make of that? Because going forward, we only really had Lacazette and his chance. Um, if that would have fallen to Aubameyang, oh, could be a different story, mate. Yeah. Well, what Graham said, really. No, look, <laughs> I, I, I I don't look at the games as in depth. That was brilliant, Graham. Listening to that, mate. But I don't I, I don't I don't see it in depth like that. I'm too old. <laughs> My memory's not long enough. But but looking at the at the at the picture you've painted there, I, I hadn't took a lot of notice of Chiesa, you know, for, for for one reason or another. And I was astonished at how good he was. I genuinely was astonished at how good the man was. And I thought that going forward, the space that was created for Liverpool. It was, it was indirectly coming through that man a lot of the time. It, the players around him were finding space because we were scared of Kieta at times. As for our lads, I thought that Willie, I, I said to someone, you know, I thought that Willian had a really poor game, really poor game. And I got shouted down a bit and I thought, hang on a minute, am I watching a different game? But I, I really thought that, that um, Maitland-Niles wasn't helped out at all by... by um, by Willian, I thought he was. I thought he, he went missing for long periods. I was very disappointed. And then I never thought of him. See the day, see the day I said it, but I thought Albamian, Albamian just disappeared, didn't he? I don't know why. It just, it just wasn't in the game. You look after a few seconds after uh, the keeper saved from Lacazette's chance, the ball came out to Albamian, you know, and he had a bit of space. And I thought, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go, and he blazed it. About in the rose edge, you know, and I thought, oh, that ain't, that ain't the Alabama young we know. He's having an off night tonight. So I just thought that Liverpool were the better side. They created space. They had better passes all over the field. They had better passes in midfield. They had more movement up front, if we're honest. Um, and another thing, Van Dyke looks to be back to his best, doesn't he? I thought that earlier in the season, in the back end of the last season, I thought he'd gone right off Van Dyke. I thought he was showing weaknesses. But for me, he, he looked like he was back to his best. And uh, I think that's massive for Liverpool. Absolutely massive. So, yeah, that, that's how I summed it up, mate, to be honest. Yeah, I was really impressed with Liverpool. Uh, Manny, what about yourself? You know, I want to come back on, on something that Trev said, you know, about Aubameyang. You know, already Aubameyang is a low-touch player, you know. So unless you get the ball in the areas where he's devastating, you're not going to see him in games. So a lot of people wonder why Aubameyang doesn't play through the middle. That's because Aubameyang is not going to do the job that Lacazette does, simply because he hasn't got the attributes to do it. He is balls in behind, let me finish the chance. Another area where we said it, you know, on the, on the preview show for this, for this game, that the midfield was going to be a vital, vital area. I believe that playing Xhaka and Elneny shows what we are seriously lacking in midfield. It's not enough to be able to pass a football 50, 60 yards because I believe footballers are able to do that. You need to bring something else to the game. And in the performance that I saw from El Nene and Xhaka, El Nene was too passive, too safe. And he wasn't, you know, he was tasked with the job to connect the midfield to the attack. And he wasn't doing that at all. Granted, Xhaka already being as unathletic as he is and rash as he is, Pressuring him, you see exactly his deficiencies. 
which is why I always say we need to move on from Granit Xhaka if you want to move forward. Because as good as he is on the ball, and I would admit that, when you give him time on the ball, he can be devastating. Or when you're playing midfields like Liverpool, who are hungry, who are athletic, who are going to come after you, you see exactly why we need to move on from Granit Xhaka. The modern midfield now is athletic, it presses, it's hungry, and it can do the things that Granit Xhaka does. So we lost that midfield battle, clearly. And once you lose the midfield, in my opinion, you lose the game. So it is what it is. You know, we move on. You know, we move on. I think Manny brings up some great points there, Graham. We've got 20 minutes and we've still got a lot to talk about, but just a couple of sentences from you on our midfield because Hossamawar and Thomas Party are so badly needed, aren't they? Absolutely. It was the mid, the centre, uh, we didn't have midfielders playing forward passes in that game, Dan. And I think Manny is absolutely spot on. If you look at the heat map in that game, and I looked at it afterwards, all the passes were sideways. The one thing about Sabias, when he came on the second half, we saw how these first thought was to progress the ball forward. I know Liverpool, it was a different part of the game. The first half, they were really pressing us and we were deep. But those midfielders, Jacka and, and uh, El Nenny, were just playing too many sideways passes. They weren't, the one time Jacka did a forward pass in that game, it led to our goal, didn't it? When he pinged it to Lacazette. We didn't see enough of that in the first half. It was, it was, there was no forward thinking. It wasn't incisive enough. Um, and it was, we were too passive. And, and we just, we were just sort of like knocking it sideways and not getting out of our half and the ball just kept coming back. To put any pressure on them, we had to thread some forward balls to our forwards and, and Aubameyang was feeding off scraps and, and we have to find a way to get Aubameyang on the ball. He's wasted out there where he's just working for the team. I saw signs on Monday night where he was getting a little bit frustrated by it all for the first time. But uh, Manny's spot on. We need uh, Sabias offered us something in the second half we didn't have in the first half. We've talked in the past about Jacka's lack of mobility, but I thought Elneny was the wrong selection on the night. I know it's a hindsight uh, thing, but uh, I think in that game, and the midfield was not incisive enough, too passive. There wasn't enough forward thinking, getting the ball forward quickly to our forwards. And we just literally invited pressure all night, as good as Liverpool were. Fair enough. Uh, Trev, we're going to touch on than I mean touch on uh, Thursday night because different result. We got on the penalties, but listen, man, it was a, a strange game. Uh, parts of it was quite boring, if I'm honest with you, but we got there. And all I want to say is a massive up yours that Leno has given to all the Arsenal fans <laughs> <laughs> that told him he weren't good enough because that's seven saves, seven saves in 90 minutes, two penalty saves, a massive up yours to Arsenal fans who all sucking off Martinez, saying how great he was and why he shouldn't be going to Aston Villa. Go and support Aston Villa then because Leno's our keeper. He's our number one. And Trev, he proved last night why. I thought he was outstanding. Oh, I thought we could have held a couple of them saves if I'm honest, Dan, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was... It, it, he's, I, I actually feel sorry for Leno because he's just going to get stick all season. It's going to happen all season, Dan. And all he's got to keep doing is doing exactly what you just did, sticking his middle finger up at him and just keep playing as he's playing. We rode our luck last, we rode our luck last night more than we rode our luck on Monday, didn't we? But it went our way. We had Leno in amazing form. And, and, and we had a team of tries on the field. And, and uh, just the fact that they, they 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 started strong, Liverpool, and then they take off their two strongest players. And, and the, 
Klopp will say that he's saving them for the next game. He's not saving them for the next game. He thought we're really not getting anywhere with Arsenal here. So I'm going to take me, me, me stronger players off and see where we go from there. Um, so pleased with the effort. I mean, because although it was a different team, them, them, them Arsenal players that were out there last night, they, they could have gone to Wanfield thinking, oh, the first team got turned over on Monday. What chance have we got tonight? But they didn't, did they? They went out there, gave it everything they had. And the penalties, lovely. And I, I, I'm just just before I let the others come in, why isn't Ainsley Maitland-Niles our penalty taker? I know Albami Young's the lad and he's brilliant. <laughs> but just watching how, when, as soon as Ainsley Maitland-Niles starts walking towards the ball, you know it's going in the back of the net, didn't you? You watch, I'll put a right bock on him now. Next round, he'll miss one. But it, I'm just, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was proud of all of them last night. And, and Leno, superstar performance. Absolute superstar performance from Leno. Manny, I spoke to you, mate, about Leno, and me and you were having a chat about it. Um, it's all yours, man. The floor's yours, Manny. Well, before I even go into Leno, man, Maitland-Niles' penalty, his run-up reminds me of how Lauren used to take penalties. You know, yeah. so relaxed, mm -hmm. and he was so fucking sure of himself. And he never missed, you know. So let's hope Maitland-Niles, you know, keeps that attitude, man, because his penalties reflects his, his personality. I love it. <laughs> but Leno... Put some respect on Leno's name. I understand what Martinez did for us. And everybody understands that. But before Leno went down, arguably he was our best player. He kept us in games over and over and over again. People forget, man, the double save in the North London derby. You know, people were creaming over that because it was amazing. You know, and it's because what Martinez offered us, you know, his distribution and how when he comes for that ball, it's Martinez's ball. Leno has to improve on both of those areas. But the criticism that he gets, people are literally waiting for Leno to make a mistake just so they can say, I told you so, we should have never sold Martinez. I cannot understand that mentality because if Leno makes a mistake, that means the team is likely to lose that game. He deserves our support. The criticism is ridiculous. It is not like he's come in and he's been bad. His performance on Thursday reminded people of how good this guy can actually be. And when he gets back to his best, which we should want him to, we have a top keeper on our hands. One of the best keepers in the Premier League. But definitely better than David De Gea. That's what I believe anyway. So back the man. What's the point of going crazy and talking about, you know, Martinez? Martinez is an Aston Villa player now. Let that go. We should be backing our players. Leno is still here. He is our number one backing because he is a great goalkeeper and he can only get better. I absolutely love it. And it is exactly what I said last night. Uh, Graham, three players stood out for me. Leno, I'll let you have your say on. For me, the other two were Gabriel and Saka. I thought Gabriel was outstanding last night. Such a great defender. What a signing we've got on our hands here. A mistake not to play him on Monday night, in my opinion. And Saka had a great first half. So over to you, Graham. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I agree with 100%, Dan, 100%. First of all, to Manny's point about the higher, I think Craig is better than the higher. So, uh, <laughs> so if Craig's watching, <laughs> member of the goalkeepers union, Craig, and even probably Mark, you know, he's he's part of that club now, and he. So, I think Mark and Craig are probably better than the higher at the moment. So, probably you could have come up with a better comparison there. But uh, look, I think Leno 
hundred percent agree with you. I always thought he was our number one. The one, the only thing I'll say about Leno before um, I talk about how good he was in this game, I just wish he'd come for crosses a bit better and took the pressure off the defence. But if he's not going to come, and also I wish he pushed the defence out. You know the third goal we conceded at Anfield when Louise headed that out. He should be pushing the defence out and coming and claiming that. That's that's what I think, right? So, but for all that, he proved with seven saves. He had four saves inside the box. Uh, two penalty shootout saves, and they were great saves. And also his two punch clearances in that game as well. He proved outstanding in that game. And I agree with Manny. It's too easy to forget that how good he was before his injury. That's why he's the number one. And also that double save against Tottenham was absolutely out of this world. So oh, I have class. no qualms about him being our number one. I just wish he'd be a little bit more commanding on crosses. And also... He pushed his defence up more, so that then because if the defence pushes out, your goalkeeper can come and take crosses, and I think he'd be better. That's just my view. But on the the other two players you said, Gabriel and Saka, I was so impressed with these two players. Dan, uh, Gabriel uh, run him very close for a man of the match would have been a man of the match if Leno hadn't have made the saves in the penalty shootout, and it I showed it showed me why Gabriel has to play against Sheffield United this weekend, why. In a way, you could argue he should have played against Liverpool on Monday night uh, because he won 100% of his duels in that game against Liverpool on Thursday. He uh, gained possession six times. He had four clearances, three tackles and two interceptions in that game. And his passing was good as well. I thought that was an absolutely top-class performance from Gabriel, bearing in mind he's just coming to this country up against a top side away from home. And I thought of our attacking players, once again, Pepe slightly disappointed. Pepe, we talked about Pepe last week, and I know he got a bit of stick in the chat, well, in the comments, actually, about, oh, it's just lazy attacking Pepe. I just want to see this guy do a bit more, Dan, right, and, and uh, for his for his price tag. I know the price tag really, you can't, you know, people say, oh, we shouldn't judge him, he's a £72 million player, but I just want to see him do a bit more. I thought he he, he played on the other side. He played on the left-hand side of the Bamiang's position, but I thought he was overshadowed on the night by Saka. Saka, I thought it was on that side as well. Saka, 82.8% pass completion, 64 touches, six tackles, six possession gain, two clearances and two interceptions. And I thought he was really good on the night, Saka. Uh, and as you said, they were our three key players. Leno, man of the match, Gabriel in defence, Saka. He made eight changes. Only Leno, Holding and Jacka kept their places. I thought in the first half, Sabias got on the ball a lot and gave us some sort of like, Good passing moves, but he faded in the game. We couldn't get Sabias on the game. Liverpool came into it, and then Leno kept us in the game with three or four absolutely outstanding saves. And then we should have won it at the end. I think we should have had a penalty at the end, Dan. That handball in the box by Milner. Milner, That should have yeah. been a penalty. But overall, they were our three key players. Agree with Manny on this one. Don't agree with Manny on Bellerin, but I agree with him on Leno. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Uh, we don't have to agree, Dan, man. We don't have to agree in order to have a great point, man. <laughs> Disagreement makes for great conversations, mate. <laughs> Trev. Yeah, I, I just just what Graham said there, and Manny's exactly right. I was I've done a few boys were there, but I was at that game at Wembley when Leno made that double save and the Arsenal fans, we were down that end in that corner. And it's one of the greatest saves I've ever seen. His reaction to get back up and make the second save was absolutely one of the greatest saves I've ever seen. And don't forget, right, that, that when Leno was playing well the last season and a half or whatever it's been, he's not he's had, he's not had the best of defences in front of him as well, you know. He's actually carried us at times. 
has carried us through games at times, Leno. So get off his back, boys. He's going to make the odd mistake this season, but name me a goalkeeper that doesn't make a mistake in a season. He is up there amongst the best two or three in the Premier League, in my view, Mr. Leno, and, and he needs our support. Gabriel, he, listen, Gabriel wears number six for a reason. How impressive does he look? How imposing does he look? Amazing. Right? He's, he's just so composed on the ball. It he, he just makes me drool over him. How he didn't play on Monday night, I do not know. But let's hope that he's sent a message to Arteta now after last night and said, look, leave me out. Leave me out if you can, because I don't think he can. And finally, Saka. I, I don't know how, how Saka's not getting more game time. I don't know how Saka's not getting more game time. He's a breath of fresh air. He's full of energy and he creates space. He's, he's creates space, which is what we want. And finally, Pepe. We mentioned Pepe. I so want Pepe to do well for Arsenal. I so want Pepe to, to give me that little chink of light that makes me think he's going to be on fire soon. But if I'm honest, I am starting to worry a little bit. Please let me be wrong to be worried. Let him come out and play the game of his life next week, you know, but I'm not seeing it at the minute. Sorry, Dan, I've ranted on a bit there, but fully in support no, of what these boys are saying. Absolutely. Manny, I'm going to let you finish it off while I sort this tactics board out. Yeah, sure. I mean, Bukayo Saka's football brain, you know, for his age is, is way ahead in comparison to the other youngsters. You know, this is a kid who's come into the team. He's been asked to play different positions and he's excelled. I'd say all of them. We're still trying to figure out where's best for him, you know, because he can play in central midfield, I believe, you know, but his drive when to pop the ball off, when to go for the one-twos. You know, his final ball is decent. This is a kid we need to harness him and we need to figure out where, we, where he fits in this system. I understand, you know, him not getting, you know, minutes here and there. You know, I think he, he flatlined a bit, you know, coming towards the end of last season. So yeah, he, he needs to work his way back. So I totally understand that. Besides, he's only 19 years old. He's got to learn to earn it. But at 19 years old, for him to do what he's doing, listen, we've got a player in our hands. And as for Gabriel, see, when we were originally linked with him, I asked my cousin about him. My cousin lives in France and he knows everything about French football. And he was telling me, listen, if you get this guy, you've got a defender on your hands. Massive. Gets his head onto everything. Great distribution. I understand why he didn't play on Monday. It's Liverpool and he still has to acclimatise to this Premier League. You know, he still has to get used to it. You know, playing against Fulham and playing against West Ham is a completely different ball game to playing against Liverpool, who are on top form. You know, he needs that time to acclimatise. But listen, is that so, my? Oh, listen. no, he's back. <laughs> oh, sorry, did that cut out there? Yeah, you're back now, mate. Yeah, sorry, just waxing lyrical about Gabriel. You know, I mean, I just think that you know, with the right partnership and the right system, we have a player here. And I can see why Arteta wanted him. Great distribution, good on the ball, gets his head onto everything. And he doesn't mind the physical challenge. You know, you have to go around Gabriel in order to get anything out of him. It's a bit like Van Dyke. You know what I mean? You have to go around these guys. So I can't wait to see what he, what he becomes. And like Trev said, man, he doesn't wear the number six for nothing. 
I'm with you, man. I was really excited by him. And since I've seen him play, he looks exceptional. Graham, we're going to move on to the Sheffield United uh, game. I'm going to bring up the 11 that you believe it will be. And I want you to talk me through it because there was a bit of a surprise in a couple of positions for me. Not not crazily, but there were some surprises as far as I was concerned. And I think that in defence, you talked about Gabriel. Um, so talk to me about this 11, Graham. Well, I don't. Uh, you're surprised. I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, <laughs> Leno obviously picks himself. Um, I think David Luiz, mate. I, David Luiz was the surprise for me. But go on. Right. I. I look. Um, I. I just. I just. I just think. I. I, I just think that uh, Luiz came back in for his experience in in the game at at, uh, at um, Anfield, and I think he's got a straight choice. So uh, Gabriel was so good that I think he has to stay in the side. So the question is, uh, Louise likes to play in the, in, in the middle. So it's all about sort of like, uh, you're talking about the position of players. He didn't play Gabriel the other night because Louise wanted to play in the middle and he couldn't play uh, Gabriel on the right because he was left-footed. So you the, the option is then, Tierney's going to start on, stay on the left. Gabriel should come back in and go into the middle, which means do you play Louise on the right side of the three where he doesn't like playing? Or do you play Holding, who's used to playing in that position? Holding, for me, did nothing wrong at Anfield in the second game. He was quite solid, in my opinion. So it's a question, is is he going to play Louise or Holding there? Or is he not going to bring Gabriel back in? I would bring Gabriel back in. And I know we base this on what we think Arteta could do. And Louise is a strong personality in the dressing room. And uh, so you could argue that he could stay in. But if he stays in then, that means Gabriel's not going to be in again. Because I don't see a Gabriel playing. I think holding for the fact he's uh, he's playing that position on that side. I don't. Uh, Saliba is his only real challenger, and obviously he said today Saliba's not quite ready. And they even talk about loaning him out to France again because he's not adapting yet or ready to, to play. Mm. So I don't think there's any surprises there. It's a question of whether you think Louise will come in on the right can side I, instead of holding. Up. Can I just yeah, come on. in, Graham, and just do you know what I think will happen? I honestly think yeah. this will happen. I honestly think we're going to see something like this. Because I think he wants to play Tierney on the left hand, left this as soon as he can. At the moment, that for me is probably what he's going to look at going with. I don't know if if you agree with that or disagree with that, Graham. But that would be so probably think, one of my only chances. You, 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 you think he's going to go? You think he's going to go to a back four? No, no, no. I think he's going to do. He's going to go back three, but he's going to have. I think probably that front three as opposed to Willian. That's what I'm going with. But listen, I could be completely wrong. But I just feel Luiz, he likes him playing there in the middle. And he likes Gabriel left and he likes holding right. Obviously, Bellerin, you've talked about. I think Tierney could play there ahead of Saka, which means where does that leave him? Maybe Willian will be dropped. Maybe Saka will miss out. And it may be that Saka misses out and Willian does come in. But I can see something like that. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Graham. I think that... uh... William will stay on the side. So in which case then I think Saka won't play. If, if, if you're looking at the way you're... If, if he brings Louise into the middle and moves Gabriel to the left, holding on the right and pushes Tierney up into the, the left wing-back role, that will be instead of Saka then. I think William starts for me. Okay. Uh, so that, that's that's where we disagree. I, I don't... You know, I, I, I'm not against that, that side you've picked. We've, I'm trying to think what Arteta's going to do. Yes. Uh, and that, that's where you asked me to pick what I think Arteta's going to do. I think he's sold on the back three at the moment. Uh, so I just think, 
you are right. It's a conduct conundrum at the moment with Louise and Gabrielle. Gabrielle being left-footed has to play on the left. Louise wants to play in the middle, which means if he wants to keep holding in, Tierney could move up to left wing-back. I get that. In which case then Saka won't play. And then it could be a front three of William. I think that front three will be William, Lacazette and Aubameyang. And I think Sabias will play in the middle of Jacka. So looking at the teams where it's a question for me then, if Tierney plays at left-back or Saka plays at left wing-back, and, and if uh, Tierney plays at left wing-back, bearing in mind he seems to like him in the, the left centre-half slot, then the, he can play those three that you said. So that would be the question for me. Who plays at left wing-back, Saka or Tierney? Because I don't think Saka's going to get in on the right. I think William will play there tomorrow. So, But that, that's 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 an interesting one. We'll see who's right tomorrow, won't we? Uh, oh, sorry, on Sunday. Dan. Do, you know, do you know what will happen, Graham? They'll probably play, he'll probably play Maitland Niles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Manny, what's, let's what's, what's, Manny, what's Manny's view on that, anyway? I'm sorry, what was that? Manny, what's Did your you view think on, on the team news? Um, looking at the team that you've got here, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we need to get Tierney at left wing back so he can do what he does best. You know, his 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 variety of crosses and, you know, him and Aubameyang have a little bit of an understanding going on there. I We need to see Tierney in his natural position, you know. And as for Gabriel next to Louise, listen... I'm not against that. You know, the experienced head next to Gabriel in order to, you know, guide him through the game. Gabriel being left-footed and being pacey as well makes him that natural, you know, selection to be out there. I don't see anything wrong with, with you know, with this with this team at all. I would much prefer to have Maitland-Niles, you know, ahead of Bellerin. I believe the front three will <laughs> stay as, as it is. I hope Sabayos comes back in. You know, his performance against Liverpool in that second half was... You know, it made us think why he didn't start that game. But I don't, apart from, you know, Bellerin, I would love to see this side. You know, I would love to see this side. I want to see, you know, what Gabriel looks like, you know, on the left-hand side. And Sheffield United will put him under pressure as well. You know, they're a big side. So let's see it, man. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I think I think what Sheffield, Sheffield United are going to play a 3-5-2, aren't they? That's their formation. They, they, they haven't been scoring yeah. any goals this season. They're on a bad run, but they play a 3-5-2. I agree with Ben Bennett in the comments. I'd like to see Tierney at left wing back. And I agree with you, Manny, that that could be the position for him. In which case, yeah, then Stan's back three comes into play, doesn't it? Uh, with uh, holding Louise and Gabriel. Uh, and then Tierney pushes up a left wing back. Then the question is, does he play Saka on the right or does he play William? Saka's doing enough at the moment to almost like stay in the team. But I think William is like the person he's bought. And uh, I don't think he's going to discard him too quickly. But I, I do agree with you. I think maybe I agree with Ben Bennett. That's a good comment he made in the in the in the in the chat. We want to see Tierney at left wing back, where he's good good at getting those crosses in. Uh, and I think that he would be somebody who could work well with a Bamiang on that left hand side. You know, can I push back on the on the William thing quickly? You know, I was yeah. not a fan of, of this signing for the simple fact that you know his trajectory, you know, it it, it can only go down. You know, thirty two years old, his peak has passed. Um, and I'm worried. I'm still worried about that signing. You've seen three different performances from Willian. You know, you saw the match, you know, the man of the match performance against Fulham. Then you saw a really indifferent performance against West Ham, and he was horrible against against Liverpool. So I worry, you know, that we are seeing what happens when you play a player, you know, at his stage of his career, you know, week in week out. I believe he will start, you know, because he can drop into midfield, you know, and give Sheffield United a different kind of problem. 
you know, I believe Saka can do that job. And we saw him play that against, you know, away to Brighton. And he was doing it effectively, you know, playing in that, coming into midfield, you know, as Maitland-Niles does on that side. I believe Saka can do it. But I believe Arteta will go for Willian simply because of the experience. And, you know, that final ball, you know, is more devastating than Saka's one. But really and truly, I worry about, you know, Willian at the minute because it's three different performances. And, yeah, we need to keep an eye on, on him. I believe he shouldn't be the answer at the minute. He should be on the bench. Yeah, just one final point, Dan, before we go to probably Trev, because I'm obviously looking at what they're saying in the chat. And a guy called Toffer, T-O-P-H-E-R, he makes a really yeah. good point, mate. And that is, Luis and Gabriel point. starting means we control Sheffield's bombardment across crosses into the box. They are a physical team. Yeah, that is a great comment from, from, from Toffer. And that's that's probably the reason why he might go with Luis and Gabriel. So you're starting to talk me around to your back three now, Dan. And I agree, that's a really good point he makes. That is a really good point. Uh, Trev, what do you make of the team news against Sheffield United? What are you looking at that team? Is that about right, do you think? Well, yeah, I, 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 I want to see Saka in the side in front of William, if I'm honest. I, I want to see Saka exciting me. I want to see Saka and Ceballos playing together. The back three is most interesting for me, though, Danny, in that. I want to see Tierney playing a, a left wing back. Absolutely, I do. But my, my view on Louis differences differs a bit to a lot of people in that. I mean, on his day, we've got probably the best, one of the best centre-backs in the league in Louis. But he still makes too many mistakes for me. If you think back to last season, one game he got ten, sent off, a couple of game-changing mistakes that gave goals away and cost us three points. And and I just think that if he's going to play Louis in, in a back three, I just think Tierney next to him. I don't, I don't know what it is for me. I just... Tierney playing next to Louise gives me more confidence. I think Tierney clears up after Louise. But then again, I can't I can't see I can't see us leaving Gabriel out of the side after his performance. So for me, ideally, I would love to see Louise play further up the field. I would. He's got a great pass on him. He could lay deep in front of a back three. And I would love to see us give Louise a few games in that position with a back three behind him. And maybe playing even instead of Xhaka in that deep midfield role. But looking at this side, I can't argue with what the boys have said. But for me, definitely, I want to see Saka in the side in front of Willian. And that's about it, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we're going to go on to quick predictions before we have literally a couple of minutes, and I mean a couple of minutes on transfer because we have overrun. Uh, for me, Sheffield United, I mean, literally, wow, what a season last season. Chris Wilder, Brilliant manager. For me, manager of the season. If it wasn't for Klopp destroying everybody else in the league, then he would have got manager of the season. But I have worried about him uh, towards the end of Project Restart. And I do worry about him for this season. I think they'll be nearer the relegation than nearer the top half. I really do, Sheffield United. So I think it's going to be a uh, a tough season for them. My prediction is going to be quite optimistic. And I'm actually going to go for a 3-0 Arsenal victory. Graham, what's your score prediction, mate? I'm going to go Arsenal 2, Sheffield United 1. Trev? I think that Sheffield United are, going, are missing their goalkeeper badly. I think that's caused a lack of confidence in the side. I don't think they're the team they were last season. And I think we're a better team than we were last season. And I think we're going to win big. 3 or 4 nil. 4-0. Let's go 4 nil. Good man, Trev. And lastly, that won't Manny. surprise was... many people. <laughs> <laughs> Manny, what's your prediction, man? <laughs> I believe they'll be tough to break down. I believe I believe they'll be up for it. You know what I mean? As as most sides are, like West Ham were. 
um, even though they've been found out. You know, I believe teams know how to play against them now, but they'll be tough to break down, man. So I'm going to go with a 2-0 win. It's going to be a tough one. It will be tough indeed. We've got two more things to talk about, and then we are going to wrap up. The first thing we're going to talk about is this guy. Now, I am being told that it is done, and I've been told it's been done for weeks, but I am told that the Leon president has been so hard to deal with that that is why it's been delayed. Now, I've been quite reliably informed that things have progressed, that it looks like we have got our guy. And I am, of course, talking about Hasamawa. Now, we spoke about it before, what he would bring to Arsenal in terms of creativity. I'm really excited. I think that if we do get this guy, we will see a lot more in our midfield in terms of energy and drive. And we'll have that little bit of creativity that I think we do lack. And I know people talk about Sabayos, but with Elneny and Chaka, we do not have that forward pass and that creativity. And if anybody wants to go and watch this guy against Man City, watch it because he was outstanding. Manny, we'll stick with you. If we get Hossam should Arsenal fans be excited? 100%. 100%. This is a guy whose technical ability is up there. You know, another player that we've produced over there in France. We seem to produce a lot of these, but he's the next one coming up. Head on the swivel. Knows where his pass is going to be. Doesn't stay still. You know, his movement is awesome. And he is, you know, the missing link currently in our midfield. He will create. He will score the odd goal here and there, you know, and he will put himself about. But understand that he still needs to develop and he still needs to grow. So the pressure shouldn't be put on him instantly. But people should be excited. And these are the type of players that we should be going for. Up and coming players whose trajectory can only go up. Usam Uwa is going to be a top footballer. And I'd rather he is a top footballer at Arsenal Football Club than any other club. Potts, you've put yourself out there, man, saying that the deal is done. Because if it's not, people are going to come for you, man. But I <laughs> truly, truly, truly hope we get this guy. You know, when, we, when you're dealing with Lyon, like I said before, you need to come with an offer they cannot refuse from the get-go. Otherwise, Olas will play games in the media. He's done it with Lacazette. This is what he does. You know, he will put things out, out there to put pressure on whoever he's negotiating with. That's what he does. So if it is done, congratulations, and we've got ourselves a baller in there. And it, and it may mean that we can move to a three-man midfield, you know, because these, he will be the missing link in there. Top player if we get him. Trust me on that. I do trust you on it, and I do believe it's done. And people will come for me. Of course they will, but I can take it. Uh, Graham, let's come to you, man. If we get Awesome Awa, are we going to continue to see this system? Because at the moment, I'm not so sure that he slots in next to Ceballos. So would be if we just get him, and we'll talk about Thomas Party afterwards, if we just get Awesome Awa, are we going to see the system change, Graham, do you think? Yeah, I think we will. I think he'll flip to a 4-3-3 and he'll play on the left side of a three in midfield. But the only thing that worries me, and I don't know how reliable your source is, um, and I don't know how much credence you give to this, uh, get French football news. Yesterday broke a, uh, a story that the PSG president was in talks with the Lyon president uh, about a deal for Hassan Mouar. So I don't know if there's any truth in that. So I just hope it's not true. But if we got him, I think he's the missing piece that enables us to uh, move to a 4-3-3. I absolutely 100% agree with that. And, and I think that's what Arteta wants to do. We've said that he wants to do. He just needs to have a player 
because remember this guy is not only someone who can create but he's athletic he can he gets back he's he's got awareness and he basically can his recovery runs are really good as well so he offers us protection but he's got tremendous ability to create he's the like for me the uh missing piece in in what we need to sort of transition from defense to attack in terms of of, of sliding in our forward players because he's got the pass he's got the pass to get Pepe might become a better player with him in the side. Uh, Abamyang would be a better player with him in the side. We need to start creating chances for Abamyang. And I do think this is the guy that can do it. And uh, so, yes, so I think he's the guy that would enable us to flip to a 4 3 3 down. Good stuff, Graham. Trev, moving to you. Uh, we haven't had a Fabregas or a Cazorla uh, for a while, it seems now. Could this guy fill those boots, Trev? Well, let's hope so, so Dan. There's been a lot of. All the talk is about how, how good this guy is and how much he's going to change us. And let's hope that we're all right. Yeah, it, we we just need that bit of dynamism. What's the word? Dynamism. You know, we just need that that little switch we can flick in midfield. We just we, we're lacking it. We're lacking it badly. And I'm sure that from what I've seen of this man, I, I've only seen him play for the was it the French under twenty three the other week, and he looked really good. Actually, he played alongside Gwen Doozy, I think. And he really looked the part. So I'm excited about us getting him, if you're right, Dan. I hope you're right. I just I just drifted off a bit then because Graham mentioned in a back four and Arsenal playing a black four, it just, I don't know, it just scares me. I don't know why it scares me. I've just never liked it. But let, going back to this, you know I can't say the name, didn't you? Who are, isn't it? That's a Who Let's hope we get him. He's going to be good if we do get him. Let let and and but we'll have to have a bit of time. You know, we're coming to the pictures. You know, he never played in the Premier League, so we don't want to be getting on his back. And let's hope you're right, Dad. What we got two days though? We've only got two days to get him. A week. Yeah, we got a week. We got. Yeah, we got, well, no, we've got the weekend and Monday. That's it. It shuts on Monday, the window. So we are we are leaving it till last minute, as always. And one man that we believe is outgoing is this guy in Lucas Torreira. Now, I really, oh, really my. hope, <laughs> I really, really <laughs> hope that we get some form of deal if this guy is going to Athletic go Madrid to bring in this guy. Because if we don't, <laughs> then it is quite bad business, in my opinion. Now, as far as I'm concerned, it needs to happen. We need to try and get this guy in. Uh, Manny, let's come to you, man. Lucas Torreira and Thomas Party. do you see anything happening there, mate? Man, I would hope so. I would start to question a lot of things, you know, about the club. If you are negotiating with Atletico Madrid to let go of Lucas Torreira, who is a very good footballer, and you haven't got some kind of agreement that gets Thomas Partey through the door. Thomas Partey is what we are lacking, another piece that we are lacking in midfield. Another player who can drop in and pick up the ball from the defenders, who can, who is press resistant, who is aggressive. If you want to go to war, you want to go to war with players like Thomas Partey. He brings attributes to the team. He is... 100 times the player that Granit Xhaka is at the minute. We spoke about him last week. You know, Graham gave a great breakdown of what he brings and his stats for the previous season. And it's not to be scoffed at. That is a very good footballer. I'm gutted about Torreira, you know, because I believe that we got him for a reason. 
and he was ruined, you know, by some of the tactics at Emory, and he never recovered from that, you know. And I believe that, you know, we thought that he was, you know, a midfield destroyer, a Kante, when really he wasn't. When really he's just the janitor, he's the guy who's putting out fires. You know, he's a guy who can play those passes in between the lines as well. But he wasn't given the opportunity to do that and his head dropped and he just didn't settle. I'm gutted, but if he goes to Atletico, listen, good luck to him and I hope he has the career that he deserves. But the club better have a deal in place to bring Thomas Partey in. If we get him and Usamua, the conversation changes, Pots. Oh, it does. Oh, 100% it does. And Graham, would it be bad business to get... Terrera to go there and not have any form of deal to bring party in, even if we're hearing it's confirmed that it's a loan deal when there's only an option to buy if they want for like 25 million, if that. So surely party's got to come the other way, Graham. That'd be absolutely disastrous. It, it, it would be typical Arsenal, wouldn't it? We've been talking about bringing in party and then we end up loaning out Terrera and not getting party. That could only happen to a club like Arsenal. So just hope it's not the case. I don't think that's very good business at all. Uh, I, I just look. We have to get party, don't we? Uh, um, but I just feel as though we're not going to be able to do it. But if we don't get him, and I hope I'm wrong, I, I would not like to see Lucas Torreira going the other way. But I do feel so he's not part of Arteta's thinking, is he? So, um, so yeah, it would be disaster. But wouldn't it be Arsenal if we spent all the transfer window talking about getting party and we end up loaning out Torreira and not getting party? That would be so Arsenal, mate. And I just hope it's not true. I really hope it's not true. Trev, Thomas, party before we wrap up. He's grab it the nail on the head. He's better than anything we've got all around the field. He would be a vast improvement strength-wise. Um, his presence, him and Gabriel through the middle of the park. Oh my lord, brilliant! Yeah, but having said that, I must agree with what Manny said about Torreira. I've got a lot of time for Torreira. I thought he gave hundred percent every time he crossed that white line, and I don't think he was given the right chances by Arsene. Um, I think the reason he's going is probably that we heard that he can't settle and he's not happy in the UK, so he's going to move on. But big loss to the Arsenal because I think Torreira could have turned out to be a class act for our football club. And if we don't get Partey in, if Torreira goes that way, very bad business. Very bad news for the club indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a kind donation has just come in about this man, William Saliba. Did you guys hear about Saliba's mother? So sad. Thank you for your kind donation. Apparently, Saliba did lose his mum. He's only 19 yeah. and there's rumours that he may want to go back to France on loan uh, to be near family. So uh, if that is the truth, then our thoughts go with him. Yeah, who can blame him? Who can blame wouldn't, him? wouldn't blame him, Puts. I mean, if, he's not, if Arteta has seen something you know, that says, listen, his development hasn't gone the way we wanted it to last season. And there's an opportunity for him to go back to France and, you know, get that those, those minutes under his belt and get that season that he deserves of development. Then let him do that. But if he does go, it will be another casualty of war. And it will be because we've got too many defenders that we cannot get rid of. And William Saliba is the casualty of that. You know what I mean? But him losing his mum at such a young age must be such a heartbreaking thing to go through. And... There should be no bad comments about the kid if he goes back to France to play football. Let him develop, man, so he can become the player that we want him to. Do you know what I mean? I totally and utterly agree. I was frustrated to not see him in the side. If this is a situation that Arteta is not happy, the player's not happy, there's circumstances that are outside of football, we need to appreciate that. The last thing I want to say before we wrap up, 
transfers. If you go onto the Arsenal official Instagram account now, you will see Santi Cazorla has a video on there saying, no worries, man. In the background, there is lots of pretty colours. And the rumours are that the colours are the Ghanaian flag and the French flag. They are the latest rumours. I'll let you all go and have a look at it. I've seen it myself. It was Lee Judges who texted me. Let's see what is going on there. I'm There's something happening. Right There's Where something is happening this? This is, you said on this Instagram. Is on Arsenal's, on Arsenal's, Arsenal's Instagram. official Instagram. I watched it earlier. I don't quite understand what it means. But I was told by Lee Judges it's the Ghanaian flag and the French flag in the background. Or colours, not flags. Colours. Why else would it be on there? Very, Man, very this odd. Is, you, you guys are reaching here. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you guys do you know what? I texted him. I actually touched judges and I said it in Graham in the uh, WhatsApp group we got. And Graham will know. I said, you're clutching at straws here, judges. You're clutching at straws. Because yeah, man, that you is... guys are reaching. Yeah. We're desperate, and that's... Man. We're desperate for those guys, man. We that... really are, bro. That would change us massively, dude. Why do you know it would? You know it would. And top four is on if we can get both of these over across the line. Um, boys, we have overrun, but it's been a great show and we've crammed a lot in. Uh, thank you so we much. Even had time to, damn, we haven't Go even on. had the Go time. Uh, so just quickly, we haven't had time to cram in the draw today in the Europa League, but we drew Rapid, Vienna, Molde and Dundalk, which Dundalk. means we could have done a nice trip to Ireland with Craig, but for COVID restrictions, we've gone out to see the game, couldn't we? <laughs> I know, unbelievable. We get done, dog. I was literally just saying to uh, to um, to Trev, we were mucking around about the Mouldy Stadium and how good that looks. Uh, I mean, the Moulder, not Mouldy Stadium. Mouldy Stadium. <laughs> Mouldy Stadium. <laughs> um, somebody in the chat is saying that the bid has just been accepted for Hasemawar. Done deal. We're hearing rumours all the time, but uh, it is looking like there is something that is going Pots, to happen. Parts, man, listen, only believe when the player is on Arsenal.com holding an Arsenal I'm, shirt. <laughs> Don't believe them rumours, man. Don't believe them rumours, man. Curb the enthusiasm until it's all confirmed on Arsenal.com, Arsenal fans. <laughs> I'm begging you. I'm begging you. <laughs> it's wise words from Manny I am getting very excited about it uh, boys it's been a pleasure I've really enjoyed tonight it's, we've done a lot um, of uh, Arsenal chat and it's been a real in-depth show with great content I believe if we say so ourselves uh, Trev thanks for coming on mate absolute legend I hope you enjoyed it buddy I've enjoyed every second mate I'm just sitting here now we've ended on a downer because you know me Dan I don't miss any European aways and they would have been three fantastic trips they would have been expensive because the missus would have wanted to join me on all three of them, so it would have been double the cost. But let's hope we can get back in the ground soon because this is where the real fans need to be. It's been a pleasure tonight. Graham, nice to meet you, mate, and thank you very much. You, Manny, I love you as always, man. And man, Dan, thank you very you, much dude. for inviting me, mate. Appreciate it. Trev, absolute pleasure. Manny, I hope you've enjoyed it, man. It's been a pleasure having you back on, man. And everybody is loving you on Twitter, man. I don't know when you're going to get social media back, but you need to because everyone is asking for you. But thanks a lot, man. But I am not getting a Twitter account, man. You know that already. <laughs> you know that already, man. I love I love to remain a bit of an Just enigma. You know I, mean? I, I love to remain a little bit, you know, mysterious, a little bit of an enigma. You know how it is, man. I'm not getting Twitter. <laughs> but I appreciate the love, man. And I appreciate, you know, people who love to come on and listen to us talk about football, man. It's an absolute pleasure to be on here, man. Thank you for having me, Pots. Anytime, Manny. And Graham. 
We've done it again, mate. Another Friday show. I've really enjoyed it. You've been great. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it, buddy. It gets better every week, mate, doesn't it? Um, but I'm going to leave you with my stat of the day, Dan, because every I week I want to hit day. you with a stat, right? You love a stat, right? We've got the American presidential election coming up next month. Now, when Spurs last won the trophy, Donald Trump was 14. So he's six. He's seventy-four now. So he. So his. We haven't taken the piss out of Tottenham tonight. So we got to take the piss out of Tottenham. No Arsenal podcast will be the same without taking the piss out of Spurs. So, just to end with this, then Donald Trump was fourteen the last time Spurs won the league in nineteen sixty-one. <laughs> They've now gone four thousand six hundred and five days since the trophy. They've gone ten thousand seven hundred and thirty days since an FA Cup win, and they've gone twenty-one thousand seven hundred eighteen days since they won the league. We've now gone, unfortunately, two months without a trophy. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure we can get over it. But Graham, I love that, and what a way to finish a podcast! <laughs> and I love these stats of the week. You're going to need to keep them coming in. Uh, thank you to everyone in the chat. There's been nearly 400 of you at one stage tonight. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for watching. Myself, Graham, Manny, and Trev. We'll be back on Monday night, as always, discussing all things the same old Arsenal with the crew. Uh, and until then, we will see you next time. And hopefully, next time we'll have. Hossamawa and Thomas Party. Keep the faith. Up the Arsenal, boys. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.